0: Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the Research Professor of Bible and Theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward.
1: Wow. I love patterns and music, including our handle, Opening Music. Do you like our handle, Opening Music?
0: I don't like it. I love it.
1: (laughs) I, I love that you love it. I love it. Also, I love it <laughs> intensely.
0: <laughs> no, I do. It's, I do. It's a, it's I a, really enjoy it. It's
1: a. It's a it's an ingenious. It's a joyous. I actually uh, shared that with one of my top students here at Trinity College. We may have him in here to be interviewed, along with uh, some of his colleagues in my. Uh, my rising class, uh, the, the juniors, the sophomores becoming juniors, juniors becoming seniors, are just brilliant and lively and funny and just fast thinking and. And, and open to Jesus working in their lives it's just awesome and so I was t- saying well to uh, take a listen and and he literally listened to the radio uh, opening you know of our radio slash podcast yeah. show and I had already let him hear my favorite cuts from this amazing Deutsche gramophone collection of Handel music that we uh, have selected our opening from. And he ran upstairs, and he said, Dr. Woodward. (laughs) I thought the place was on fire or something. (laughs) I said, what, Braden?" I said, he said, my favorite cut from that new Deutsche Grammophon album of Handel's short pieces that you gave me. Did you use that on your program? Is that your opening of the program? I said, it sure is. And he gave me a big thumbs up.
0: Oh, perfect. (laughs) So so he was
1: excited. (laughs) So he loves it too, yeah. So uh, if anybody wants to get the information on that, so we would be happy to direct you. To the same uh, to purchase or you know listen online at least we actually we could actually you know make available the list of the YouTube those are all now available free YouTube listening yeah um, easy to find s- separate uh, what do you call them YouTube files where you just click on the the link and and away you go so uh, let us know if you're interested in hearing all of those fantastic radio uh, evidences of intelligent design would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Handel was the greatest, and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, intelligent designer of music we've ever seen. Well, intelligent design is one of the hallmarks of the universe we live in. And, you know, last week I started to compare the two universes. I don't think I completed my comparison. But we have two universes that are, that are really addressed in our program every week. And one of them, you know, is always there. And that's the universe of a worldview. It's a mental universe. It's a perspective on the way things are, the way the world of thought, the world of values and ethics, right and wrong, the way the world of beauty and purpose and meaning, and even the world of science and causation, what has led to this or that phenomenon in nature, including the way our brains function, but also where did they come from? What is the origination, the causation of how they arose in the first place? And that's where Darwinian theory and the newer form, Neo Darwinism, Neo meaning, you know, new about 80 years ago in the 1940s, it was finally hammered out. So we're somewhere around the 80th anniversary of Neo Darwinism. And Neo Darwinism (laughs) is in a state of decline, it's unraveling, it's collapsing, and we believe that the final complete and utter rejection of neo-Darwinism is just around the corner. And uh, we, we believe that based on not just you know some religious motivation or impetus, but because the scientific evidence is running against it in every area where you could check it out, where you could verify it. And so the, the uh, universe of metaphysical naturalism, that is the universe of the atheist, that that mental worldview, that universe of thought, is now becoming suspiciously um, hard to hold on to. In other words, you have to crank up the level of faith in spite of key words, in spite of the evidence. You would have to just cling on to it with, you know, white knuckles in order to maintain faith in a kind of an atheistic universe. Whereas the natural faith that would come from looking at the world and seeing the amazing things, plants, animals, and mountains and lakes and everything about the way the world is put together for us, that natural conclusion, this looks designed, that deep common sense conclusion, which is now buttressed so well, so completely by the scientific verification or validation, is uh, that makes the metaphysical universe of Judeo-Christianity. Yes, the Jewish and Christian religions are really two as one because we accept the Old Testament, the Tanakh. Those 39 books are fantastically important and the 27 books of the New Testament. And together, those 66 books form God's fantastic download of truth, his revelation to mankind. And uh, the, the pinnacle of that download, of course, is the person of Christ, who by his life, his death, his resurrection, and that in life included the validating miracles, of course, those events, those eyewitnessed events recorded so carefully by the historian Luke and others, the eyewitness Matthew, the eyewitness John, the eyewitness Peter, that was written down for us by, the, by his assistant Mark those three eyewitness accounts and the beautifully crafted historical account based on eyewitnesses. Luke even says, you know, I've checked it out. I've done my research. And it's clear that he has been using vast eyewitness evidence to construct the, the, the amazing entry of God into humanity. Why? To save us, to rescue us. So Christianity is unabashedly a rescue religion. Let me repeat that. Christianity, the Christian faith is, without apology, it's enthusiastically, it's a religion of love, of creativity, of the dance. <clears throat> I love the way C.S. Lewis brings in that metaphor in many of his writings. In the Mere Christianity, later chapters, in The Problem of Pain, he brings it in in Miracles, a number of his essays, and God invites us to enter this eternal dance of joy and creativity and fulfillment forgiveness and new launch in life. And that, of course, is what we experience in the Christian universe of thought, but also the physical universe of galaxies and planetary systems and genomes. Yes, 3.1 gigabyte hard drive of DNA packed in every single one of your 38 trillion cells. Go figure that. That would be quite a math computation, wouldn't it? Take yeah. the three, 3.1 billion nucleotides and multiply it times, let's say, an average of 35 trillion cells. Oh, I can't even imagine you that. You get a big number real fast. Yeah, so. we, we
0: think it's simple because we just we put the word 38 trillion down, but that's a it's, pretty big number. It's a pretty
1: big number. You know, there's only, what, 7.8 billion people in the world. So, you you just, you know, it boggles the mind how completely, thoroughly, and overwhelmingly God has provided evidence for his reality and of course through through Christ as we see in the writings of C.S. Lewis and of course the great uh, pastor uh, of there in New York City where our program is heard, Tim Keller who stepped down, retired uh, and still as active as ever I understand but in his book The Reason for God, um, amazing summary of the evidence in the face of this kind of strange postmodern age that we live in so yeah, absolutely. Uh, what we want to do is go back and revisit the, the odd question that comes to us periodically here in the program. We, I, I, we receive this question when I'm speaking out in public in this area of uh, apologetics. And by the way, we just had a, a wonderful opportunity to receive lots of questions here in uh, the visitation of seven Ravi Zacharias speakers who flew in. Just this last week, uh, they just had an, an amazing opportunity. I was able to be included in them, so I was the eighth speaker, and we did illuminate the bay, and we were able to speak 32 times in seven days. You were at some of those events. Were you? Were you blessed? Were you helped?
0: Yeah, me? absolutely. It was a great week. Yeah, well, so many events going on all the all, at all times practically.
1: And it was so funny because we were able to you know go in universities 15 or sixteen. I forget the final count of them were in colleges and universities in Tampa Bay, and we had some in places of w- employment, some of these large uh, employment, um, you know, like uh, office complexes had their lunchroom just jammed with people, listening wow. to different uh, talks by the speakers. But throughout, we entertained questions. And as, as the question for the day is, how would you know if something was detected either an object hurtling through the solar system as it happened two years ago when a strange cigar shaped very 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 weird flat object came hurtling through the solar system? How would you know if that was the the product of intelligence? Or how would you know if a fast radio burst fast radio bursts they're sometimes abbreviated FRB that are produced, we don't know exactly how, but they're produced by some phenomenon in a distant galaxy. Typically they come from anywhere from 200 to 800 or more million light years away. And how long is a light year? Well, it's six trillion miles. That's quite a, light travels quite a length in one year. Six trillion miles, you multiply that times 500 million. And that's how far away, according to astronomers, this new set of FRBs is coming. We introduced this last week. I was reading some of the quotes from two of my favorite reports on the internet and uh, just kind of bring you back up to speed on that. And we're going (coughs) to include in our discussion this week the strange object, uh, which Oumuamua is the name of the strange object. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be bringing in that in just a few minutes, and we'll be talking about what that means uh, and the, the meaning of Oumuamua. I think you'll find fascinating. Now, um, let me just ask you, um, if you, uh, Nick, were to go out into a pasture, mm-hmm. and if you were to dig up from the sand and the dirt out there beside this building of Trinity College here in Newport, Ritchie, Florida. And if you were to pick up something that was a tube made up of pure, what looked like pure copper, Mm -hmm. what would you think?
0: I think that the best possible explanation would be that it was placed there by somebody uh, and that it was created by somebody.
1: And how? It, okay.
0: No, it didn't. In other words, it didn't just grow out of the ground. Okay. If it's something that was clearly designed, I think the best explanation is that it was designed. Very good.
1: Because we know some interesting shapes will form naturally, like crystals, mm-hmm. because of the the molecular shapes will form like hexagonal, like what looked like glass, like edge, beautifully edge shapes. Yeah. But we don't know copper to ever do that in the natural world, right?
0: No, it would be unnatural.
1: Okay. So there's no physical known process by which a copper tube, therefore, you would infer, even if you were to go to an island that had never been inhabited and you saw a copper tube lying in the trees there, what would you conclude?
0: I would conclude that somebody had placed it there. Okay,
1: and so the reportedly completely uninhabited island not only uninhabited, but the report said no one had ever visited there. That would be proof that someone had been there.
0: Yeah, or at least flew over it or and, flew, and dropped the tube. That's
1: right. <laughs> I like the breadth of your possible <laughs> theoretical explanations. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, that copper tube was part of our little uh, bi- bi- biplane. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's it like could, um, could be.
0: It's like Paley's uh, watchmaker argument. There you which go. I think is still a very valid argument. It's not an argument by analogy. It's at best explanation. Yeah. Exactly. Which we would use for anything logical.
1: And I would say, if now, if a copper tube points to design, how much more a single gene, a single folded protein with maybe 300 average, uh, 300 to 500 amino acids? And the, and the exact precise order of those amino acids is extremely important in order to get the precise fold, either to give it its structural shape, to work in some physical system as a machine or or to provide the enzymatic function if it's going to be speeding up a chemical reaction. So, I mean, you take a copper tube times 100 or times 1,000 or times a million, and that's what you have with a single protein. Yeah. So I think that just the, the basics of a single bacterium, because... A bacterium, just simple, basic, you know, the minimal threshold level of life as we know it, will have, you know, now typically an E. coli coli bacteria swimming in the gut of a human being, will have on the order of well over a thousand, I think I've read multiple thousands of genes. Uh, That's shocking. I mean, the human, a human species has typically 20, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 genes. And so I think what we can find in our, in our hunt for indicators of life, a signal of intelligence, and that's what SETI is all about, right? SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Search for ETI, ETI meaning Extraterrestrial Intelligence. So the SETI search is something that is uh, spectacularly interesting. I actually show my students the film based on the SETI story of Carl Sagan, Contact. I don't know if you've ever seen that mm-hmm. movie. It's a very well-done movie. You know, Matthew McConaughey and um, you know, his his partner there the scientific uh, researcher um uh, just does uh, Ellie Haraway is the name of the gal on the film. Uh so, but the 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 whole, you know, r- research project is to find intelligence so the FRBs that were detected just in the last couple years uh, that were announced here in the press the science press has announced them over the last especially couple months uh, and they're they're basically repeating every 16 days now there have been some f- fast radio bursts and this is like an extremely powerful pulse of radio waves that come from, Literally across the universe, and the 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 intermittent bursts have been uh, experienced. In other words, the same spot may go, you know, spouting and spurting those radio bursts f- with something of an irregular pattern. But never before, until just this past year, really two years, um, starting September of 2018. So, I mean, literally, it would be a year and a half. Through October 2019, the researchers uh, at a Canadian radio telescope facility found 28 bursts. And one of those bursts coming from this galaxy has an extremely bizarre regular pattern of every 16.35 days. In other words, every 16 days and 8 hours, to put it bluntly the pattern repeats. So there's four days of bursts and 12.35 days of silence. And then another four days of bursts, 12.3 days of silence. And because of this 16 and, 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 a, and a bit more days of a repet- repetitional pattern, it's like clockwork. And so there is a, an attempt to explain how this periodic you know, phenomenon would, you know, would come about. What's the periodicity? You know, is it by chance? Or is it uh, a clue to the nature of the object? And then, of course, some people have said that the location uh, on the outskirts of a massive spiral galaxy suggests that it may have a companion of a supermassive black hole. And so this may cause it to have some really quirky, weird behavior including
0: what? the regular bursts. Whatever's going on over there, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Stay clear. Black hole now, Do not level. go by that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially the black hole. Don't, stay don't, away.
1: Don't listen to this yeah, angle. I hope they have a blinking NIA sign saying, stay away, danger, danger. Yeah. Okay. Now, are aliens causing the fast radio bursts, and because they're coming from these FRBs, in general, coming from different points in the sky, most scientists... Most are just saying poo, 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 you know. They're just putting that down, except for Harvard's Avi Loeb, as we said last week, said perhaps it's possible, maybe. Wow. Uh, So in a in a 2019 interview, he actually said this: uh, possibly we'll get a message that says, "Welcome to the Interstellar Club." You like that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Professor Loeb of Harvard. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the Interstellar Club, or we'll discover multiple dead civilizations, that is, we'll find their remains. But I think what we're trying to say is that there is something out there that's very interesting, and whether it's caused by natural ph- you know, phenomenon or intelligence, I personally am very, very doubtful of intelligence, because it's, it's simple, regular patterns are most conveniently and simply explained by phenomena of nature. Because what we see in a sentence, for example, a literal sentence delivered, or a text message, or a, even a picture, the pixels in a picture, there's not just repetition, repetition, repetition. There's a unique pattern that carries information. And the, and the key thing about true signals is that they're not repetitional. Let me repeat that, true signals that carry information are just the opposite, they're not repetitional. Now, people may say, Well, what about that weird object, Oumuamua? You say, Oh, what? Oh, what a what <laughs> Well, Oumuamua is a cigar shaped object that ventured into our solar system just in the last couple of years. So, the visit began basically to be noticed in early 2017. It was discovered technically. I mean, that's when it made entry into our system. Um, it was discovered af- and named officially in October, October 19th of 2017. This is out at the University of Hawaii's uh, Pan-STARRS telescope. Uh, NASA funds that for near near-Earth object observation. And since this is a near-Earth object, that's why they were focused on near-Earth objects. They're literally looking out there you know, focused in their little survey for things that are closest. And they they said they originally classified it as a comet. I'm reading from the NASA science summary page of uh, the Oumuamua, and that is spelled O-U-M-U-A, M-U-A, in case you wondered. But Oumuamua is, um, is, is literally classified as a very interesting object, an object that you may have not even heard about. So the official classification was made after some controversy. And the controversy uh, came basically because it was first classified as a comet. And uh, by the way, Oumuamua is a Hawaiian term for a messenger from afar arriving first. You like that? Wow. A messenger from afar arriving first. So in case you were wondering, What Oumuamua means, that is the official meaning. But this is called an interstellar object. Let me repeat that. This is the first interstellar object to enter our solar system from another solar system, according to NASA. It is about 400 meters in length, according to what I'm reading here. It says, the object named Oumuamua by its discoverers is up to one quarter mile, 400 meters long, and highly elongated, perhaps 10 times as long as it is wide. And again, Avi Loeb of Harvard, the same guy that was uh, commenting on the fast radio Mm -hmm. bursts, said he is a bit suspicious that this might have been an alien spaceship. Why? Because science has never discovered such an elongated, thin, in this case, cigar-shaped object ever entering our solar system. Now, it's speculation, of course, as to whether it was intelligently caused. We'd have to have a close picture. And if you saw windows along the side, I think that was settled. <laughs> <Yeah. matter. laughs> People in the windows. That's <laughs> right, uh, taking pictures of us. So, But I think the good news about all this speculation is that God has given us the ability to detect intelligence. And I think what we see are in, the, in the, the things around us that contain gobs of digital information in the form of code, yes, The DNA code is exactly identical to a computer code. Though code, that code, which has 3.1 gigabytes in every one of your 30 plus trillion cells in your body is screaming design because every one of those cells has 20,000 genes. That is 20,000 files on the hard drive. Every one of which, as far as we know, plays some important role, at least in one of your 235 cell types. So God is massively, beautifully, And extraordinarily clearly displayed his intelligent creation of us but we've really acted unintelligently stupidly foolishly we've gone off the 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 rails we've gone into the ditch through going our own route our lives are broken by sin but God reaches down in the person of Christ lifts us up out the ditch offers us eternal life and says receive my son and you receive eternal life he died for you and rose again you can turn to him today so check us out Send us an information, a little quick zippy uh, the greeting. Let us know you like the program and any question you have at information at apologetics.org. See you back here next week on The Universe Next Door.